Right? Hey, great to be here today. And uh, it's, I uh, mentioned this in the earlier service, but it was, this is my first time here in this. We, I, I came here 11 years ago, uh, right after it started. But, you know, coming in today and walking in here, it's like walking into somebody's vision, you know, and it's, it's an amazing feeling. You ever had someone who's going to start a business or something and maybe you're not too sure about it or whatever, and all of a sudden, a couple years later, you go to the business and it's thriving. When I walked in here, that's what I felt like, not that I was unsure that it would happen, but uh, uh, Duncan, I mean, Murray, Murray, Ash, Duncan, Kate, and obviously all the teams and everyone who's here done a great job, but I just want to, I did this in early service, I want to do it again. I just want to thank Duncan for being faithful to what God said. It was, you may not realize it, it, it was a radical move. I mean, from England to Canada, Canada to the U.S., I don't know if you realize, it's a, it's a different country. And uh, Raleigh is a different country. So you come down here and it's like, whoa, this is, but, but look at the fruit of what God has done. And I think you've only just begun this Randy Clark uh, deal that's coming up in April is going to be a tipping point of some sort, even though it's Randy's conference. We found out years ago, there's something about uh, on site, being on site. So when you bring revival people into this place, I don't know what happens. It's like repainting the walls or something. Something happens and, and you get the residual effect of that in the church. So I believe this late April, there's going to be a, oh, it's two weeks from now, February, February. I, was, I wasn't paying attention to announcements, February. I feel there's going to be a blow up that's going to happen after the thing in this church. So uh, let's just thank the Lord for that because I really believe it's going to happen. <laughs> Maybe late April also, I don't know. We'll see. Hey, I want to talk to you a little bit about two things today that I've boiled down that have been on my heart for a long time. I'd like to say it's a life message, but it's really not. But somewhere in... Um, the mid-90s, it became a key correction in my life, and uh, God has really been speaking to me ever since. And those two things I'd like to talk about is waiting and resting, waiting and resting. These are, these are amazing, supernatural encounters that you have with God. In fact, I looked on my phone today, I couldn't believe it, two years ago today, two years ago today, I woke up at 5.30 in the morning, and I... Uh, I felt the presence of God in my room. God gets up early. And uh, I felt it, so I invited him in and said, Lord, I don't know, wow. I mean, honestly, it felt like heaven was bulging into my room. I felt angels, I didn't see them, but I could feel it. In fact, the Lord just gave me some amazing insight for three hours. I, I, first of all, I, I got hit with laughter and I laughed so hard that it woke my wife up. And she said, what's going on? I said, you know, in fact, any time that I wake her up, I'm going to say this from now on, God's in the room. <laughs> and she, she woke up and she said, whoa, I mean, she could feel it. Wow. It's, I mean, it was like chilling. It was so powerful. It's never happened to me before like that, where I'm just laying in bed. And uh, over the next three hours, we got hit with laughter five times. I don't know if you've ever hit by what's traditionally called Holy Spirit laughter, but this is the most cleansing thing. The Bible says out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. I don't know how else to describe it, but it, was, but it was like vomiting laughter. I mean, it was coming so deep inside. I know that's a terrible illustration, but it's coming so deep inside that it, it's, it's like uncontrollable. It just, boom, it comes out and, and it was an amazing thing. And during that three hours, the Lord gave me words for every one of my children and every one of my grandchildren to the detail. And I was there and it reminded me of Toronto, Duncan. Remember when uh, maybe before you were there, actually, when we moved from the old building to Atwell, there was a concern that we would move and the Holy Spirit wouldn't move with us. I mean, it was a concern, like a new building, a couple miles away. And so anyway, I'm laying there in the bed and after three hours of just boom, 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 boom. Today, it was today, two years ago. Uh, um, after three hours of that, I said, well, I guess we should you know, I'm, I'm Peter on the Mount of Transfiguration, you know. I didn't want to build anything. I just thought we should have breakfast. And so I said, maybe we should get up and kind of get moving, you know. And, and it was coming in waves, and this was in an ebb moment. 
So I said, Cindy, you go first. You go, <laughs> always send the women in first. I said, you go first, you know, start getting something ready. I'll come down in a minute. And I sat on the edge of the bed and I didn't want to get up because I thought, I said, Holy Spirit, would you go with me into the shower? And I didn't feel any response, you know, so I thought, okay, I'm going to go anyway. I got in there and instantly the Lord's, I know this sounds weird if you're visiting today. Sorry, I'll be gone tomorrow. <laughs> but um, it sounds weird, but the Lord said, I'll give you everything. I'd been joking with everyone. I just had a birthday two months before that. I turned 60 actually, and now I'm 63 now. Maybe I turned 61 then. But I, uh, I, I joked with everyone about being old, you know, and just to have a lot of fun with that. And so the Lord must have been listening because he told me very clearly, he said, I'll give you everything in the alphabet that, that would rhyme, that's a word that rhymes with old. How weird is that? God, he, does he have time to do all this stuff, you know? And, I, and so I'm thinking, okay, hey, be bold. Okay, I got bold, cold. Yeah, oh, you said anything that you want. If you don't want it, just set aside. So I hate cold. I live in Cleveland. I lived 10 years in Canada, but go figure. I hate cold. And so I said, Lord, I just put that aside. And let, there may be some interpretation I'm not getting there, so I don't want to get rid of it yet. We'll just hold it under the side. So bold, cold, E fold, G gold. Oh, yeah. I meditated on that for a moment. Hold. Anyway, it goes through. There's eight of them. Mold. By the way, mold wasn't like, you know, in your kitchen shower or your bathroom shower. This was, this mold was shaping. So mold, uh, sold, and told. And I thought, wow, that's really weird. And immediately the Lord said, your children's destinies are tied. Your children's destinies are tied one-on-one uh, -on -one with one of those words. Instantly I knew which word was applied. My da second daughter was just entering real estate. That was two years ago. And so sold sounded pretty good to me. So sold got applied to her. She's been two years in real estate. This past year, she sold $12 million worth of real estate. Wow. Yeah, she's, she was in the top a certain percent. I forget what it was of her company. I mean, she had no experience. No, it, it was, she got into flow. She found her place, you know. And uh, it was an amazing thing. Anyway, the story short is two years ago today, the Lord altered my life. But here's the important part of all that. He did it in my bed. I love going to church. You know, we are the church. I love being with Christian friends. I love going on retreats. I love seeking the Holy Spirit and all that. But I love the fact that God shows up in your bed. I love the fact that he shows up in dreams. Did you know that's, that's one of the most passive revelations that you can get on this side of heaven? There's nothing you can do. Maybe eat pizza the night before, but that's not necessarily gonna give you a good dream. We always talk about pizza dreams, you know. But you go to sleep, you're sleeping. You can't say, Lord, I'm in, my, I'm in my sleep right now. Lord, this would be a good time right now to give me a dream. No, dreams come upon you. I've had the Lord heal me in dreams. I've had him heal my heart in dreams of grief when my father passed away on the anniversary of his one year being passed, uh, having passed away. In the middle of the night, he put me in his, his little sports car kind of thing that he had in the middle of the night in a dream, a 1968 yellow Camaro and uh, convertible. So I was in it, of course it represented my father. Jesus was driving the car. We were going through, it was about 10 o'clock at night. It was dark out, kind of a summertime. It was really humid, beautiful out. And I was sitting in the back seat with my arms up like this. And Jesus never said anything, but he kept turning around looking at me. And he would just kind of go give the nod like, it's okay, you know, kind of a deal. And I felt so comforted, you know, and so I'm, I'm riding around with Jesus driving. How beautiful is that? In a dream. And all of a sudden a bird landed on my arm in the dream. And I burst out laughing. And when I did, it woke my wife up. And she said, what are you laughing at? I said, I'm dreaming. She goes, do you mind going in the other room? <laughs> so, but what happened was I went back to, I asked the Lord in that moment. I said, Lord, could you, could I re-enter that dream? That's how, that's how moving it was for me. I didn't realize in that moment that it was the anniversary of my father's death. And so I re-entered the dream. And when I did, I was in that back seat. Jesus was still driving and a voiceover. I, this is a dream. Anything can happen in a dream. A voiceover came in and said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Boom, I was instantly healed of grief. 
I woke up that next morning, there was a new boldness that came upon me and I thought, Jesus works third shift. <laughs> I mean, how passive a dream. Do you know God? You know that dreaming is one of the key features of the New Testament. Did you know that Joseph, one of the only things we know about Joseph, Jesus' father, his earthly father, was that he was directed by four dreams? That tells you something about him. That we know about Mary, you know, because we've seen statues of her. Not a whole lot of Joseph statues around, but there's a lot of Mary statues. And Mary, you know, she had the word of God sown in her heart when she did the Magnificat, you know, when she kind of just spoke out and rejoicing that, that she was going to receive, uh, she was going to be pregnant, you know, as she's rejoicing in the Magnificat of John the Baptist, you know, uh, she cries it out. The theologians say there were 17 partial verses sewn into her Magnificat. In other words, out of, her, out of her innermost being came scripture in worship and praise. And you think, why did God pick Mary? Well, that could be it. The woman was devout. But her husband, who we don't know a lot about because he kind of disappears off the scene in scripture, he was a man that under very difficult circumstances, received dreams and submitted to those dreams. One of the dreams was is that he was to marry Mary. That sounds weird saying that. Marry Mary. <laughs> Mary and marriage, however you say that. Marry Mary, that he was in this. I mean, if you're getting ready to get married to a woman and she's pregnant and says it's the Messiah, the Son of God, I mean, you need something. <laughs> I'd say confirmation on that. And how else could that happen in the most passive way possible? You have no control over whatsoever in a dream. And then you remember when they get down to uh, Jerusalem, after the baby's born, uh, the Holy Spirit comes in a dream and tells them to go to Egypt, to not go back uh, to Jerusalem. So when you, you see this man was devout. He was led by the Holy Spirit. So God speaks to us in dreams. He comes in passive situations. And there's, there's a hint of why God does that because there are times in your life he wants to show you that he moves absolutely most powerfully in rest. In rest. I'm gonna read a couple scriptures here in a minute, but you know, uh, of course, when I see Duncan, I think of Toronto. You know, and I remember when he first moved there and you know, and it was an exciting time because John was getting, uh, I mean, Steve Long was there, he's great. But Duncan came in to really kind of bring some order and he, and he did that and uh, really in many ways shaped uh, the construct of what came out of Toronto these many, uh, during that time and these many years later. And so um, I think of Toronto and Toronto is an amazing moment in my life about rest because prior to 1994, I was, I'd been a pastor for 24 years. And I, I, was, I wasn't burned out, but I could see burnout from where I was. Have you ever been there? Like I wouldn't call it burnout, but it was on my road in the future, you know. It was, it was coming pretty fast. It's like a brick wall, you know. And so uh, my church, graciously, my church in Canada, New Brunswick, Canada, gave me 10 weeks off. I think they would have preferred it was a year. But they gave me 10 weeks off. And they said, go and be refreshed. It almost had that feel of like, and don't come back until you are. And so they must have seen it on me, you know. And I, I so I packed my little family up, you know. We had, what did we have then? We had uh, four children and uh, packed them up. We went on a 3,000 mile journey. And first part of the journey by the way, we hit Washington, D.C. during the worst snowstorm of history for Washington, D.C. They were closing down the freeway. And uh, we were just ahead of them closing down the freeway. In fact, we finally got into North Carolina somewhere. Our, our, my van I had looked like something out of a movie because we had come through these ice storm and snow. I mean, it had, it had horizontal icicles coming out of the back of it. In fact, I remember pulling up in, in North Carolina at a gas station, a guy goes, dude, where have you been? <laughs> Antarctica or what? So, no, I just came from Canada, you know. We're rough and tough, you know. And uh, I went in because I was supposed to be meeting with uh, Rick Joyner. It was set up uh, by some friends of mine. 
uh, I needed counsel, you know, anyway, it's a long story. But anyway, we, so I'm sitting in the outer uh, lobby there and I'm waiting. And as I'm waiting, oh, by the way, I forgot to tell you, uh, the Holy Spirit during this time broke out in Canada. In fact, when I, when I finally realized it, the day I crossed the border into the United States is when the Holy Spirit showed up in Canada. So I've developed some theories on that over the years. I've also had some counseling attached to that. But, uh, but all I can tell you is when I leave tomorrow, something really good is going to happen here. Yeah. Gonna... <laughs> Not today, <laughs> but when I leave tomorrow. <laughs> so, uh, so I'm waiting in the outer area and uh, there's a guy there who's uh, like an assistant to Rick and you know, he's got a little cubicle there and I'm, I'm sitting in an area right here and, and he gets a phone call and he gets a phone call and I, I'm hearing one end of the conversation. He's like, what, really? Wh where is it? Toronto? Is it a revival? Like, I, I, so I'm like, wait, wait I, I just came from Canada. Don't tell me there's a revival in Canada now when I leave, you know. And so he gets off the phone. I didn't know the guy, but I said, hey, my, his name's Mike. I said, Mike, do you mind telling me? That was really curious. I'm from Canada. I'm meeting with Rick in a few minutes. Could you just tell me what, what that was about? And he said, oh, apparently revivals broke out in a, in a small church at the end of an airport runway in Toronto. It's a vineyard church. Now, I was a vineyard guy. I was a vineyard regional overseer, you know. And I had a vineyard jacket on that said Steve on it, right? It was embroidered in there that had been given to me by another Steve, Steve Thompson, had given it to me, who got it from another Steve, Steve Zaret, who was the head of Vineyard Publishing. And so Steve, Steve Thompson walks in right at that time, and he walks by because he gives not, I don't know him at all, you know. And, and if you know anything about Morningstar, you know who Steve is. But Steve walked by, and he stopped. He had that jacket on. I saw Vineyard on the back, and I thought, oh, that's curious. I said, nice jacket as he walked by. And he kind of looked and smiled at me, you know, here are you, and uh, kept walking by, and he said, well, wait a minute. He came over and he said, stand up a minute. Um, who are you? I said, I'm Steve Witt from New Brunswick, Canada. I said, okay. He takes his jacket off. He puts it and says, try this on. I tried it on. It fit perfect. And he said, apparently that's yours. And it said Steve right there. Steve Zaret, Steve Thompson, Steve Witt. And then he spoke to me about books that I'd write and all kinds of stuff like that. It was, a, it was the beginning of an amazing relationship with Steve. We became very good friends. And in that moment, though, there was so much prophetic swirl going on. Now I've got this Vineyard Steve jacket that's going to be in the Steve Witt Memorial Museum someday. But anyway, it's, it's part of my story, you know. But I, I go in and meet with meet with Rick, and, and it, was a, it was a weird time. I, I didn't want to get into it, but it was just a little bit bizarre. But I walked out of there thinking, wow, revivals in Canada, and I have eight more weeks of sabbatical. I mean, I wonder, it, it kind of ruined the rest of sabbatical. Because like, this is what I've been wanting for eight years in Canada. I've been praying for revival, and God, now it's in Toronto. Why didn't it hit New Brunswick? It's in Toronto, now I've got to drive 800 miles when I get back. So I go, I go back home after my 10-week sabbatical, get some friends of mine. We drive to Toronto. We get there. So much happened there, and I don't want to, oh, Jerry's calling me. Does he not know I'm preaching right now? Anyway. I get to Toronto, and uh, long story short, I got a little too far into this in the first service, but here's the bottom line. We went in there, and we got blasted. I mean, I just didn't anticipate it. I mean, John Arnott got, I didn't know John Arnott at all, even though he was in the vineyard too. We related north-south rather than east-west. Don't ask me why, but that's the way it was. So I didn't know him because I was in a different uh, region of the country. Uh, so I, um, I started, uh, I got ministered to. I mean, I was on the floor when they prayed for me, I fell on the floor and I was, I was there for two or three hours laughing hysterically. And here's, here's the deal. Those moments, first of all, I found out it was highly contagious. The move of God is highly contagious. And so I found that out. Secondly, I found out the empowerment of the Holy Spirit with laughter that was on Toronto. I mean, it was beyond just laughter. It, it became soaking. It became waiting. It became seeking the presence of God, you know, enjoying the presence of God. That very, and that's what I love these Catch Fire churches because it, it's, it's, it's my tribe, you know. And so there's that sense of like, yeah, I'm among our 
our people. This is Judah, you know, we're the Judah, <laughs> Judah tribe. And I, I got up out of there and I was so touched and so powerfully. I tell people when I give my testimony about Toronto and, and it's very long, I don't have time for it. But when I give my testimony about Toronto, I tell people I was baptized in the spirit of I don't care. <laughs> I did, I mean, was, I don't know how else to describe. I mean, I care for people and I care about those kind of, I mean, I have care or concern for it, but it stripped me of all my cares. The Bible says, cast your cares upon the Lord because he cares for you. And in that moment, I didn't know it, but when I was laughing and everything else and praying in tongues or whatever was going on, I was throwing all my cares upon the Lord. And I got up feeling cleansed from top to bottom. I mean, I just felt, I felt like I could take over a nation, you know. I just, it was amazing, you know, the power. So we went, we went and got prayed for nine times in three days. In fact, I, when I fell on the floor, I would struggle to get back up because I wanted more prayer. And I'd go up there and they would even say, didn't we pray for you before? No, kind of. And they'd pray for me again. And boom, I was back on the floor, you know. Because I was, I was being baptized. I was being deprogrammed. I was be, being detoxed of the, of the busyness and the hurriness of life. And by the way, we're entrapped with it right now in America. I want to give you just a real quick view as we go forward in this about where we've come over thousands of years, I mean, really up to 200 BC, we're going way back, 2,200 years. 200 BC, we were basically an agrarian group of people that some nomadic, some stable, some taking sheep out and searching for, for uh, pasture land, others creating farms. And that's the way it really up into 200 BC when they invented the sundial, which was the, uh, the beginning of clocking our time. And once that happened, it immediately caused people to realize there are segments of time. Prior to that, if you're going to meet with somebody for lunch, you'd say, I'll meet with you when the sun is high in the sky. What does that mean? That means somewhere between 11 o'clock and 1 o'clock. That means that if you show up at 11 o'clock and your appointment shows up at 1 o'clock, you have sat there for two hours. Can you imagine that happening in today's world? We are now down to the seconds. Africans, I'm told, say, uh, say that Americans wear their God, God on their wrist. The watch. We are governed by the watch. Now we're governed by our cell phone. Well, God asked Mo, uh, Abraham, no, Moses, what is in your hand? Moses responded, a staff. And remember he said, throw it down, become a serpent. If God was demonstrating his power, if the Lord came to you today and said, what is in your hand? Most of us say, our cell phone. We are governed by social media. We're governed by time. Even people that are not on there, because we are in such an all-encompassing social media culture, we are being influenced by it. We are governed by buzzes and rings and all kinds of different things. We, in fact, if someone loses their phone, it, it's more serious than losing a child. You ever seen someone who loses their phone? My, my wife loses hers two times a day. I have two. I, sometimes I'm like, where's my phone? Where's my phone? My wife goes, in your left hand. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> sometimes I'll be talking to someone on the phone, and they'll ask me a question. I'll go, give me a minute. I need to find my phone. They're like, well, aren't you talking on the phone? Uh, yeah. Yo, just one second. Let me, I meant to say, let me check my phone. It's a 60s problem. So we are being inundated a couple hundred years later, actually in 200 AD, Benedictine monks begin to break the day up in seven segments of prayer. Now this is when the church had huge influence across what we would consider the Roman Empire at the time. These segments of prayer started to cut up people's days. Now, here's the deal. So we're talking 2,200 years, and this, this is like a funnel that's coming into this point right now. But in the past 100 years, the intensity of that is tightening in a downward spiral. Now, I'm not anti-technology or social media. I'm just not that guy. You know, I love technology, but I think that it's highly addictive and can truly begin to govern your lives, you know. So I pay attention to it. I was, I was so excited last week. Uh, 
my Apple phone told me I was down on my screen time 23%. That's like a fast, you know. I thank the Lord for it. But then I thought, why is it telling me that? How does it know that? And I'm being, it's still, it's being governed, even as I'm governing social media, it's helping me understand how to do less of it, you know. I mean, this, it's so captivating in everything that it does for us. And so I'm thinking about it, and I thought, you know, 100 years ago, about 100, did you know 120 years ago, the average American slept 11 hours a night? That's why we're always saying, I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I just need good sleep. It's because we're only sleeping seven or eight. Some people only sleep four or five. 11 hours a night. What happened? Well, because the reason for that is there's no light. You're just candles, you know, until Thomas Edison, good Ohioan, came along and invented a light bulb. And then we started governing the night through the light bulb. All this to say, can you see the dimensions of the tightness of our lives as we get busier and busier as, being, as we're being governed by things outside of ourselves that are not necessarily God's influence. Now, creativity is also God. I love that. But we're being governed by something that we cannot take control over. In these past 20 years, as you know, since really 1994 and the introduction of the internet in a public place, I mean, we've, we've got now all knowledge at, at our hand through, well, not exactly then, but a few years later through the smartphones. And so it, it moved, boom, 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 boom. And now social media, which is about, about a dozen years old, 10 years old, boom, 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 boom. And, and so I started looking at the future. And I'm gonna pull this together here in just a minute. But there's this, um, there's this futurist that I like. Now, futurist doesn't mean horoscope, palm reader. It's not that. I mean, that's immediately what Christians think about for some reason. But you know, there's people out there that follow trends. There's a particular woman named Faith Popcorn, believe it or not. She's a futurist. How many of you ever heard of her? Three people. Good. All right. She was very famous in the 80s. 1981, she predicted that we'd be buying bottled water. And everyone were like... You could get it right out of the tap. Why would you have bottled water? Well, she was right. Actually, she's 95% right in everything that she, she has 10,000 futurists worldwide that watch trends all over the world. They put it all in a computer and it spits out these things that we can look for in the future. It's just metrics. And so she talked about... Um, um, what was the other one? She predicted $5 coffee. Everyone's like, this was prior to Starbucks, obviously. Everyone's like, no one's going to pay $5 for God. I can go down to McDonald's and get it for 25 cents. If I'm a senior, I get it free. Why would I pay $5? And some of us drink multiple $5 coffees every day. She was right. She also predicted cocooning saying that people were going to come down very tight where they actually will have rooms in their home that are like theaters, mini theaters. And that's for big screen TVs and everything else, 1981. And she said that they will, they will watch things on demand. Well, again, that was totally a different concept. Like, you got to be kidding me. And so anyway, last week I was thinking about her and I thought, what is she saying about 2020 to 2030? And so I went online and checked it out. This is like secular prophecy, basically. Now, the reason I'm telling you this is we are in a spiral round right now that is very tight. There's more anxiety upon people in America than I've ever seen in my life. In the church, there's spectrums now of anxiety, everything from panic attacks to PTSD and everything in between. The truth is we're all stressed in one way or another. How are we going to get out of this, these moments of stress? I'm telling you the answer to this totally is a life in Jesus Christ. When you follow Jesus Christ, he is the creator of rest. Did you know it's amazing that man and woman was created on day six? Right when the Lord is declaring a day of rest. Did you know the first full day of mankind's life was rest? I like this place. This is going to be great. Jesus is probably like, well, Monday's coming. 
There's still work in the garden. Tend and keep, fill, subdue, rule. But it's work that's no sweat. Outside the garden is work that's sweat. The sweat of their brow. Pain, difficulty, challenging in, in childbirth. That was all outside. It's part of the curse of being separated from the garden of the Lord. But in the garden of the Lord, you, you still work. But it's a no sweat environment. So you, I can tell when I'm outside the garden. When I'm outside the garden, I feel stress. And I think, oh, I'm outside the garden, but I'm kind of enjoying it for a minute. You ever want to feel like stress? Like, I'm stressed, but I need to be stressed. I've worked hard for this stress. And if I'm going to get ahead, I need to stress. I need to think about it. Isn't it funny that rest, R-E-S-T-S, rearranged is stress? It's like we're, we're unable to read properly we get into the stress. If we just re rearrange the letters, there'd be rest that would come into our lives. It's the two focuses of mankind. You're either going to be bound by, by something that is driving you or you're going to walk in the grace and mercy of God. Now, here's the deal. I love that God said, I love Psalm 23. And I'm quoting a lot of verses. I may not go and actually read one, but just so you can leave and not criticize me in any way, I am speaking scripture. It's not just about futurists. This is about the word of God. But Psalm 23 has been so important to me. Two months ago, I, I had uh, cancer in 07, cancer in 2013, that I had to have stem cell transplant uh, in 2013, seven years ago this month, actually. And uh, so far, I'm free of cancer. Yeah. Two months ago, I accidentally discovered that I need heart surgery. It was a congenital thing, and uh, I did open heart surgery. I'm recovering right now, and I'm walking every day and doing all the things they tell me to do, you know, to get my heart uh, strong again. But what I found out in these three situations of two cancers and, and, and one heart situation is that God does not originate those. God does not bring it into our lives. But God will use whatever is going in your life for his ultimate purpose if you yield to him. And so I've always been curious about it, you know, in this last one I had in December, I, I basically the whole month of December is a blur, you know, I was in the hospital for 15 days and then there blah, 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 you know, problems that happened, everything else. But in that time, I was thinking of Psalm 23 because I believe that most people believe that Jesus was meditating on Psalm 22 and 23. Psalm 22 is the, the uh, Psalm of the cross. Psalm 23 is the Psalm of what they believe, the Psalm of resurrection. And so it, it kind of gives you a hint of what Jesus was thinking. In fact, my God, my God, why is thou forsaken me is in Psalm 22. Do you know when Jesus is on the cross, he's quoting prophetic scripture. He's fulfilling prophecy even as he's crying out to his father. It's an amazing thing. These weren't just things that came into his head. He is entering into the prophetic words hundreds of years prior to uh, his life. And so in Psalm 23, we know the Lord is my shepherd. Shepherds to me are like, I don't know, sheep are not violent typically. You know, sheep are pretty like, bah. <laughs> They're wandering around, they need guidance. Uh, no, 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 come back over here. There's even sheep dogs out there now that kind of corral everything together because sheep are not the brightest, the sharpest knife in the drawer. And so they need a shepherd. The shepherd is there for them, you know. And it says, the Lord is my shepherd. In other words, he will lead you into ultimate pastures. He, it says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want now, we know what that really means. It always puzzled me as a child. I shall not want. It, it means that you're not going to have any need for anything if he is in your life. Now, here's the interesting thing. It says, he leads me beside still waters. Everyone say still waters. They're, they're not, it's not rapids. It's not a waterfall. He leads, you, he leads you into places of rest and places of waiting. I mean, his last words before he ascended, uh, you know, whether you go to Luke 24 or you go to Acts 1, basically is telling him, go to Jerusalem till you be endued with power. In Acts 1, he says, and you will be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. He's telling them, go find a place to wait. Jesus has never hurried about anything. 
I mean, with Lazarus. Lazarus is, Lazarus is what I call a soul friend. Now, a soul friend, has, a soul friend is somebody who's not ahead of you or behind you, but somebody who supports you is there with you. You know, we only get a handful of those in a lifetime. You got a lot of friends, but soul friends just get it. They're the kind of person that you, you don't see in six months. As soon as you see them, it's like, whoa. I mean, you're right back into it. You're talking about the story. That's the soul friend. There's someone who speaks in your life. Lazarus was a soul friend. Martha was a soul friend. These are brothers and sisters. Mary was a soul friend. So when Jesus was in Jerusalem, he stayed at their house. And so he was close to them. When Jesus was not in Jerusalem, he heard that Lazarus was very sick, even unto death. So what did Jesus do? He didn't panic. He didn't get anxious. This is something you should panic about or get anxious about. Jesus doesn't get anxious. In fact, he stays two more days. Think about that. That would kind of, you know, I've had arguments with God. I did in December, actually. I said, Lord, uh, I've been serving you a long time. Why, why is this heart thing like, couldn't we have taken care of this through a healing line or something? I've been through all kinds of lines. I got thousands of people on internet, social media praying for me. Like, what's the tipping point of all that? Do I need 5,000, 10,000, what? I mean, I had a conversation with God about it and I've been in this thing my whole life. There's nothing wrong with getting upset at God. He's got huge shoulders. Just know that at the end, he's gonna win the argument. Yeah. I love coming before God like, Lord, I'm not very excited. I mean, this is the way I think my voice sounds to him. Lord, I, I'm really ticked off right now. That's right, like, well, that's so cute. <laughs> you know, when your kids get angry when they're toddlers, you know, they're, oh, come here, bring the camera over, bring the iPhone over here. Let's, let's take a picture of him. Look at him. I mean, it's just cute. They're teenagers, it's not so cute. But when they're little, it's really cute. And so... So I, I complained to the Lord like for a week. I didn't talk to him except for, uh, that I was upset. I took a week in December just to say, I, I'm not gonna talk to you. I'm not happy right now. This is painful. <laughs> this is inconvenient. It's Christmas. Jesus, you know, Christmas. <laughs> I was in a hospital on Christmas Day. I thought, this is not fair. In fact, they cleared out the whole hospital. Everyone had places to go. I couldn't go though. So I'm there all day long. My wife is with me on Christmas. I'm just upset. You ever been angry at God? Anyone here? There's three of us, okay. It's okay, but you're gonna come out on the other side. So I'm like, Lord, what, what is this? And basically what kind of my heart is, am I your shepherd? I'm gonna lead you. You're not gonna want. But Lord, you didn't bring this on me. no. I love what Bill Johnson says. Even God can win with a pair of twos. <laughs> it's a great gambling thing. <laughs> he can win with a pair of twos. So whatever your situation is, you're going to win if you stay in the boat with the Lord. I'm mixing my metaphors and parables right now, but anyway, <laughs> it will happen. So I'm complaining to the Lord. I come through down the other side. He leads me. And then I, I, Psalm 23 comes to my mind where it's like, he leads me beside still waters. Did you know still is a very powerful thing? That when you're led by still waters, green pastures, it's that stillness is, is, one, is 50% of the restoration of your soul. How still are we as a culture right now? Not very much. So it says, he leads me beside still waters. And then it says, he makes me lie down. I never liked that verse. Because it sounded more aggressive than what I thought God was. Lead me, I like lead me. Yes, I'm being led of the Lord. Still waters feels like sit. You know, when you train a dog, one of my daughters has a puppy right now. They have to push their bum down on the floor and say sit as they're doing that so that it gets in their little minds that, oh, when you say sit, I need to bring my bum down onto the floor. We teach them roll over and all that stuff. I mean, God kind of does the same thing with us. He knows us for good. I'll lead you beside still waters. I'll make you lie down. I mean, he, he really clearly told me, and I, I, I don't want to get any feedback on this, but he told me, I am making you lie down right now. Because there's a deeper rest and a deeper 
waiting and a deeper silence that I want to bring into your life. It was like, kind of like Toronto brought up into a contemporary, contemporary refresher in my heart, you know. I just, I just want to tell you something. You're always going to be learning something with Jesus. Always. And it could be something you've already learned. And you're being recertified. <laughs> He's just making sure. Sit. He makes me lie down. The second 50% leads me beside. He leads you. And sometimes he makes you sit down. He leads you. Sometimes he makes you sit down. What's it say after that? He restores my soul. Wow. Now watch this verse here. Just so anyone who's upset at me for not reading a verse can look in Matthew chapter 11. Everyone turn to Matthew 11. You're going to like this. There's multiple invitations. I'm closing. I'm going to last three or four minutes right now. The landing gear is down. We're approaching the runway. It's, it's smooth, so don't worry about it. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Jesus gives multiple invitations. The three that have been ministering to me over the past couple weeks is that he says, as it says right here, he says, come to me. So that's the first invitation. The next invitation is follow me. And the final invitation that I've had, and there are multiple invitations in the Bible, he says, learn of me. So there are times you cry out because of your need, you go to the Lord, you answer that invitation. By the way, if you do that, I mean, the Lord is so polite and so kind that in Revelation 3, it says he knocks on the door. We use this sometimes to invite people into the kingdom of God. There's nothing wrong with that. But in Revelation chapter 3, he says, uh, behold, I stand at the door, knock. Anyone who will open that door. So it's an, you, there's time when you have to invite the Lord Jesus into your heart. What happens is when you open that door in Revelation chapter 3, immediately it says a door in heaven opened up. And the Lord was there. You invite him in, he invites you up. And he says, come on up. That's what he says. I love in Revelation chapter 4. Come on up. You say, come on in, he'll say, come on up so that I might show you things yet to come. I mean, there's a deeper place he wants you to go. But he says, come to me, follow me, learn of me. Come to me is when you're in need. Follow me is our response to, to who the Lord is. It's worship to him, to follow him. Learn of me is, is kind of absent in a lot of the American church right now. Learn of me is discipleship. Learn of me is realizing by the grace of God that comes into our life, how can my life better reflect who Jesus is? I can tell you what it is. It's him being late for Lazarus' healing. He shows up and Lazarus is dead and everybody's upset about it. Wasn't he your friend? The Bible said he loved him so much, you know. Jesus comes and all of a sudden in John eleven thirty five, 35, it says Jesus wept. Who knows what he was weeping about? Just the separation of Lazarus. His complaint that came from Mary that if you'd have been here, he'd have been healed. Jesus says, I am the resurrection. You know why that affects me when I hear that? When he says, I am the resurrection, he says, I'm timeless. Anywhere you are and anything you're going through, if I come into it, there's power for resurrection in that situation. There's power for resurrection in your marriage. There's power for resurrection in your business or your dreams. Some of you have given up on your dreams. Bring Jesus into that. Quit being in a big hurry. You know, the only time the Bible says in the New Testament to hurry is to hurry to enter his rest. And those Israel did not enter into his rest. The body, Bible says that their bodies fell in the wilderness. So God calls us saying, enter in, this is an invitation. Enter into my rest. In this future of what's coming, and it's going to be, I can tell you some of the things that are going to happen in the next 10 years, according to Faith Popcorn. There's going to be brain chips. They're going to give you full knowledge for certain things. They already have them. They're just not using them yet. There's going to be brain chips for emotional moderation that you can have if you're feeling a little up one day, a little bit too hype, maybe it's manic in some way. You know, you can turn this thing down a little bit, cut off the top 10, 20% by the mixture of chemicals in your body. They've already had, they already have those. They're going to be introduced in the next 10 years. How is it going to affect culture? 
I mean, you start looking into what's coming. It's, it's not just bottled water that seems so innocent. It's not just watching TV in a special little theater. There's gonna be 40% of all jobs that are currently held in America will be done by robots by 2030, AI. AI in the Bible is the city of destruction when they didn't listen to the word of the Lord. They entered into AI and they were destroyed. I'm not against robots. I've seen them, they look okay. I actually like them to do some stuff for me, but there is a limitation. And so we're moving into a time where identity is gonna be challenged in the human sphere. Destiny is gonna be challenged. People are gonna be, there's gonna be more depression and discouragement. What is the cure for that? I will tell you, it is a people that are countercultural, a people that are moving according to the kingdom of God, a people who in Matthew chapter 11 says, come to me, all you who are labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke, that's his teaching, upon you, learn from me. Listen to this, even in the 21st century, I am a gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. He restores my soul. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. This is his invitation saying, come to me. He's speaking right now, 21st century America with all the woo, woo, what's going on all around us, the noise and everything else and all the stuff that we're all entrapped in right now. People are now taking social media fasts and putting their phones in baskets when they go to parties, trying to escape like addicts, like where's my phone? Oh yeah, right, I put it in the basket, you know. In the midst of all that stress and all that anxiety and hearing about what your college and high school friends did that you haven't talked to in 30 or 40 years and they're always way better than you are. They're always more handsome, they look younger than you do. A friend of mine has a, an amazing house that just won an award in a magazine. It's, it's eight or nine million dollars, I don't know. It's an amazing house. You know, 25,000 square feet, huge pool, indoor pool. It's, it's up in Cleveland, he's a good friend of mine. And I looked on the, he, he, he had it on social media and they said they won an award and I went and they won the silver award, which means there's a better house. I mean, that, that tension is upon us all the time. What does the Lord say? Come to me. When you do that, and in fact, let's stand up so you know I'm done. There, you remember the movie Matrix? You remember when Neo is in the Matrix and everybody's walking a certain, he's walking across the street. He's going the opposite direction. This always comes to me. People are bumping into him because he's counter culture. He's counter technology. He's, he's been sent as a savior of sorts to save people out of this, this thing called the Matrix. It was a highly prophetic movie. It really was for its time. We're in the same place right now. The Lord's calling you to stand in rest, function in rest. You say, I don't know how to do that. Put everything aside and come to Jesus. Have moments of stillness, moments of quiet, begin to build what I call spear rituals, spiritual, spear rituals in your life. Spend time in the presence of God, not in some legalistic way. Spend time in the word of God, not in some legalistic way. Fellowship with believers, be a part of a local church because it's gonna strengthen you in this time that we're moving and everyone else is gonna be going this way. You're gonna be salmon swimming upstream and you're gonna be highly attractive because you are, you are tagged and you are marked, you are branded, you are tattooed by the rest of the Lord. I just want to pray for you real quick. If you can just hold out your hands like you're ready to receive something because you are. We just speak right now. Lord Jesus, your, your presence. Duncan, if you want to come up, that's okay. There's, we, we speak, Lord, rest. I, I'm getting a number of, of prophetic words right now. There's, um, I'm going to do them in a general sense, but there's somebody who's in a situation between jobs that feel you're just old enough where it's kind of difficult to enter back into the workforce. You know, it's, it's, you're hard to hire because you're being older and you, you thought maybe I just need to quit, but I really don't have enough money. I feel the Lord speaking to you right now. He's got this thing wrapped up and you can rest in him that he's calling you during this, this interim time. The Bible says we're from faith to faith, strength to strength, glory to glory. A good friend of mine 
he says, uh, Joseph Garlington, he says, uh, we go from glory to glory, faith to faith, strength to strength, but it's hell in the hallways. Those in-between be- in places, like Acts chapter one, waiting for something that's been promised to open up. Lord, I pray right now for strength to walk in peace, strength to walk in rest. Christians in the future will be marked by rest and they will be highly attractive to those who are bound by the machine, by the man. Doesn't mean you're not gonna have it, but you control it. It's your slave. You're not its slave. So we speak right now, Lord, the ability for self-control, the fruit of the Spirit, self-control, to be upon a generation that they may be able to constantly say, no worry, no sweat, no hassle. Jesus is in the midst of this. I pray, Lord, right now for a new sense of hope and strength to come upon everyone here. And Lord, if you can hand appetizers out of rest, Lord, please do that in Jesus' name. By the way, I forgot to mention, I do have a book out there. There's only like five copies left. But your prophetic life map, if you're really trying to figure out who you are, identity, destiny, or legacy, I walk you through it. Also on stevewitt.com, I've got an e-course there, 10 sessions that takes you through this book, talking with you and trying to help you find your way. We also, if you know anyone who's sick, we have healing creeds with over 60 different phrases pertaining to healing because of my personal journey of cancer and heart uh, problems. Uh, We wrote this up several years ago. They're out there also, check it out. Lord, I bless this congregation in the name of Jesus, Lord, that through this week, in their coming and their going, they may sense and feel the very presence of God. And even though some of them are gonna face big situations this week, I ask, Lord, that when it comes, they'll remember this and they'll go, wait a minute, let me take a moment, like Superman, go into the phone booth, wait a second, come out charged in the Holy Spirit. I am not gonna be governed by hurry. I am not gonna be governed by stress. I'm gonna be a person of rest in Jesus Christ. Thank you very much. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you so much, Steve. I'd like to welcome the prayer ministry team. Come on out. Um,